Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing? How the heck are you doing? How are my bastards doing? That's right. This is the S. Anthony Says podcast, also known as S. Anthony Says, starring yours truly, S. Anthony Thomas. And this is episode number 204. Oh, yeah. 204. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> and I want to thank you guys for coming back. And I want to, you know, I want to give a, a special shout out. And a special thank you to the community that I'm a, a part of and a many, many, many podcasters are a part of the hashtag pattern with a P pattern family. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I want to give a special hello to my new SAS potters. Thank you very, very much for coming along. I see there's a lot of new people coming along. Apparently a lot of you have iPhones. Um, I do not have an iPhone, so I'm going to need one of y'all to send me a damn iPhone. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> you know, this is this is a uh, this is Oscar night. I'm actually recording this on Oscar night. Um, I tweeted um, uh, that I was going to be recording episode 204, which would be this one. And uh, I, I just watched I, I, I was doing something else. I was working on some other stuff and I had the Oscars in the background just long enough to watch Chris Rock's monologue. And then I kind of turned it off mainly because I was doing something else and I was also preparing to do this episode. So I didn't have time to check it out. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll tell you the complete honest truth. I really don't watch award shows anymore. I just don't. Um, not that I have anything against award shows, you know. Um, I just, I just don't find them that interesting as a rule because it, it's a bunch of people that get in suits. And congratulate themselves and give themselves awards. Now, it's always cool to get an award if you achieve something. It's nice to get a pat on the back. It's nice to have people that do what you do, uh, tell you that you're this, you're, you're doing a great job and all that kind of stuff. But after a while, after a while, just like anything else, it's like when you, if you're making a lot of money and I at some point would like that to happen to me, damn it. You make a lot of money or you, you know, make more money than you need for your particular level of life and you start buying stuff. You know, like when you buy, you buy a brand new car, you buy some new suits, you buy new shoes, new this, new that. And for a minute, yeah, this is awesome. Ooh, look at my big screen TV. Ooh, look at my car. Ooh, look at this. Ooh, look at that. And it feels pretty good for a minute. But then the grand scheme of things, if you spend so much time thinking that that crap's important, all of a sudden you realize, oh, crap, that crap's not that important. Yeah, I said it. Now, say for the sake of argument, you have a long career in football. You, you, you know, you're, you're one of the best in the game. You go to a couple Pro Bowls, you get a couple All Pros or whatever the hell, but you never get into the Hall of Fame. Granted, you made $42.3 million during the course of your career. Your, your wife and kids, you're set for life. Your kids' colleges are all paid for. You, you invested wisely. And at the end of your career, you, you made $47.3 million. And now it's $62.9 million and you're 55 years old. But you never made it into the Hall of Fame. You're doing a good job on television. Everybody loves you on television. You're a fantastic commentator on television. People want your autograph. People talk about that time you caught that pass or threw that pass or made that block or whatever the hell crap you did to help your team win this game, that game, or the other game, or some great play that's on YouTube that's got six million hits that you did in your prime, but you didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. Does that mean you stink? Nope. 
What about you have a 50 or say you're one of those people that's a very prolific film actor and you made 72 films. And, you know, I'm going to retire now. I'm 75 years old. You know, I may I may pop up every once in a while to do a film. But for the most part, I'm out now. You know, I mean, this is I mean, I'm, I'm so shocked, so amazing that I made all of these films and I made all this money in my career. And I have a whole bunch of people who love the movies that I did. And I know for a fact somewhere in the world, someone is sitting down with someone that they, that they love eating some popcorn and watching one of the movies I made. And they're smiling. And I know they're smiling because I made 72 films. Most of them were, were financially successful. Overall, I made way more money for the movie company than they spent. So they were very happy with my career. I'm happy with my career. But... I don't have any Emmys, I don't have any Oscars, I don't have any SAGs, and I don't have any Golden Globes. I don't have any Emmys for the times I came on TV. I got none of that crap. I've been nominated for a couple of those things, but I never got them. Do you look back on your career and go, my career sucked? No, you don't. So, it's just really weird, you know, to watch people get hung up on the awards and feel really bad when they don't get one because I've done contests where I knew for a fact I did well I did a contest when I was very young at a casino for comedy and I made it all the way to the finals now in the now when I went there I was I was pretty good that you know that year I was I was very young I was pretty good and I made it to the finals I didn't think anything of it I just wanted stage time I really didn't think anything of it I worked really hard. The validation of that was great. I made it to the finals. I got mentioned in the newspaper. It was awesome. And then my relatives had 67,000 different copies of it. And they mentioned me by name and all this crap and this and all that great crap and all this crap. It was awesome. But I was just there. I was just there to do. I just wanted stage time in the casino. Next year I come back and now I am good. Really good. Noticeably good. I mean, I walked on the stage the first time when I was young. The first time I did the contest and stepped on the stage, picked up the mic. I was a little nervous. I was nervous because there were other comics there. That when you're auditioning just to get into the contest, you have to perform in front of the other 160 comics. You know, the people you're competing with who's it's in their best interest not to laugh at you. And they laughed their asses off. And when I did the contest, the audience laughed even harder. And it was awesome. I wasn't even expecting to be there. I wasn't expecting to be there. I was just glad to be there. Oh, my goodness. I'm in a casino. I'm not even old enough to be in this casino. I know that because every time I turn towards the gaming floor and I breathe towards the gaming floor, six security guys go, listen, um, not only are you not allowed on the gaming floor, but we have your breath right here. We have a handcuffs on the, on the air that you breathe and we're going to have to take the air you breathe towards the gaming floor and have to have it thrown out and escorted out. We have handcuffs on your breath because you're a teenager. Your breath is teenage breath and we can't even have your teenage breath going through the damn casino if the casino catches on fire we're just gonna dump a bucket of water on your punk ass and tell you to run through the fire because if you run in this direction you'll have to run through the casino floor and even if the whole thing is burning down we don't give a damn we're gonna dump water on you and tell your punk ass to run through the through the damn fire i know it's unfair too bad punk those are the rules yeah that's right even if a whole bunch of people with guns knives and baseball bats come this direction and they're chasing everybody through the casino through that direction you still can't come on the casino floor we're just going to hand you a bat with a nail in it and tell you to go for yourself punk because you can't come to it i'm going listen i get it i'll turn this way that'll be good kid and don't uh, wait a minute you're looking at you're looking in the other direction and your ass is 
pointed toward the game room floor. Don't even think of farting. We already had your breath arrested and thrown out. Actually, we took your breath out. We put handcuffs on the breath that you breathed into the room that was 18 to 17 year old breath and we dragged it outside and then we took it in an alley and slapped the crap out of it. It'll be waiting for you at the car. It's probably crying out there. You shouldn't have put your breath in the room in the first place and we wouldn't have had to slap it around. And if you happen to fart into this room, we're going to handcuff your fart. We're going to take it outside and we're going to beat the crap out of it and have it waiting outside waiting for you by the car crying because even your farts aren't allowed because it's the fart from the buttocks of someone who's too young to be on the gaming room floor that's right because that's how young I was <laughs> but the next year I came back and this time I was like man if I go if I went to the finals when I was nervous and scared and a young punk kid now i come back i come back to the contest again and now with the confidence of having made it to the finals when i wasn't even really ready yet i worked my behind off i hit every stage i picked up that microphone like the microphone was made for me i performed in front of that and all of the crowds the hundreds of crowds and hundreds and hundreds of crowds between contests i got on those stages and i demolished those stages i got on those stages like me blowing the places out was a foregone conclusion there was no possible way i could do anything but kill and i didn't do anything but kill and if you don't understand what i mean by kill that's comedy slang for an exceedingly good performance an over-the-top performance a performance so good that when you walk off the stage you couldn't you would not even get even cross your mind that you could do better than that that's what kill means and that's what i did every single freaking show Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. That's a fact. I'm 5'8". That's a fact. I'm a black man. That's a fact. I'm 47 years old. That's a fact. My name is S. Anthony Thomas. That's a fact. This is the S. Anthony Says Podcast, also known as S. Anthony Says, starring S. Anthony Thomas, who would be me. And this is episode number 204. That is a fact. You are my bastards. You are my sass potters. Those are all facts. And the fact is, on every damn show, I smoked the place. I killed. I blew the places out. All of those phrases mean exactly the same thing. I will now continue with the story. <laughs> so now I come back to the contest and I'm ready to rule. I step on that stage just like every other time I stepped on stage. Was I worried about the 170 now? The 200 now comics that are out there? Was I worried? Hell no. Yeah, you're comics, but you're people too. And I'm going to make you laugh too. Walked on the stage and I was a thousand times better than I was the year before. I was up on stage doing edgy stuff and I could see some of the people who were making the decisions like they were cringing a little bit but then they started laughing because now i had control of the instrument i wasn't just some punk kid i was a punk man now okay i wasn't the punk man i was the man ah, ha, ha. and i'm on stage doing my thing oh yeah and i blew the place out infinitely more than i did in even my best performance the year before i didn't even make it into the contest this time and I was angry. I was pissed off. I was pissed. I'm riding back in the car. And none of my guys, none of my guys and ladies who I went up with, none of us made it through. And I was mad. And those guys are laughing and joking in the car. And I'm sitting back there with my slightly older teenage self pissed off. Now, I just did a 55 billion times better than I did the year before. I should be sitting there going, I should have sat in the back of that car thinking, man, yeah, I didn't make it into the finals. But so what? I got to perform. 
I had a great time. I got to hang out with my friends and I could see an exponential improvement in the year. In the same circumstance, even rougher circumstances, I made an exponential, a, a gigantic quantum leap in performance ability. And I should have been proud about that. But no, why was I not proud? I was invested in the outcome. I did not pay enough attention to the fact that something great had already happened. I didn't pay enough attention to the fact that I had gotten so much better. I got invested in the part that wasn't important. It wasn't important whether I made it into that contest. Even if I won the contest, it would have made, it would have been a nice little chunk of bread and a nice little thing to add to the resume. But in the grand scheme of things, it would have meant nothing. If I went on to have a successful career, I wouldn't even have, it wouldn't even make it on my resume. I mean, it's not even on my resume now. <laughs> and I'm just doing kind of good. And I was mad in that car. I was mad. I mean, I was fuming in that car. And why was it? Because I gave too much importance to a contest that didn't really mean that much. And that's the funny thing about it, man. When I think about Oscars and Emmys and Grammys and Tonys and all of that kind of stuff, would I like to win those awards? Hell yeah, I'd like to win those awards. It would be great. I grew up in a country where those awards are thought of as important. I also grew up in a country where sometimes I remember before I did my first national TV spot, I would tell people I was a comedian. They go, really? Have you been on anything I would have seen? And that used to bum me out. But then, then I started thinking, I was like, wait a second. Every weekend I perform in front of about, what was it? 250 people per show, four to five shows a weekend. They all leave happy. I get standing ovations. People chant my name. They high five me. They hug me. They want me to sign crap, but I'm just some punk ass kid. Does this random person who didn't even get to see me do what I know I can do? Does that mean that I'm not valid as a comic because I didn't make it on one of six television programs that they would have seen? Does that mean I'm not valid? Hmm? No. And as I got a little bit older, as I started to hit my 20s and my early 20s, I started realizing, who gives a crap? <laughs> right? If I tell somebody, yeah, you know, I'm a comedian. Have you been on anything I would have seen? No, not really. I just do the clubs. And I'd say it with confidence, like, no, I, I, I just do the clubs, man. Why don't you come down and see me? I can get you in. And when I stay and I stay with that confidence, when I let them know, like, look, I'm the man. No, I didn't, when, when I say I'm the man. I don't mean that in the arrogant way, because if I say I'm the man and we're hanging out, and you're, you're a great comic, too. When you say I'm the man, I would agree with you. Yeah, you the man. And he would say you the man back to me. Why? Because when I say I'm the man, it doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone else. It means that I'm very, very confident in my abilities. I am in control of my freaking world. I can handle my business. I can handle myself in the situations no matter what happens. That's what it means. And anybody that knows me knows that what it means. That's uh, that's what I mean by that. So all of a sudden, it didn't really matter. Like, You've been on anything I would have seen? Nah. But if you come to the club, I bet you uh, I bet you see you have a great show. I can get you in. Hey, I'll come down to see you. And then they come down to see me. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter whether they saw me on TV because they go from, have you been on anything that I would have seen? Damn it. I, oh, you have not been on the show. Well, <laughs> all of a sudden, an hour and a half later, it's like, man, you should be on TV. Exactly. <laughs> so when I watched the show, it was kind of funny to watch Chris Rock on stage doing his monologue. 
There were some good jokes in there, some jokes that I enjoyed, you know. But I also know that sometimes when you do a performance, like especially in a venue like that when you're hosting a program, that sometimes you mix in the serious stuff and you make a point. It's not always just about getting the ha-ha-has and the he-he-he's. Sometimes it's a part of the performance is making a point, making a statement, making a stand, saying what needs to be said. And I'll be honest with you, it was kind of funny to watch. He starts out with the jokes and everybody's laughing and then he starts stating some facts and some uncomfortable truths and all of a sudden the same audience that was <laughs> you could hear the titters <laughs> they were trying like i would laugh but some of that's hitting kind of close to home and if i laugh at that then the camera is going to be on me and then i will be co-signing something that i don't want to co-sign because i don't this even though i'm all dressed up and i came into this on this red carpet and i did everything i could to make sure that the cameras were on me and i, I did all these interviews and i talked about my suit and i talked about my dress i really kind of don't want the camera on me at this particular time because he's talking about race in hollywood and i really don't want to piss anybody else off because if i because <laughs> if the camera's on me and i'm co-signing what he's saying I mean, they really can't really do anything to him. They could kind of do some stuff to me. <laughs> and you could hear how uncomfortable the audience was. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. As a live performer, I know what that sound is. I know that feeling. <laughs> I've been there before. You know, I've done clubs. I've done small theaters when I was doing my show. Uh, my, my one man thing. And I've been to a place where I normally wouldn't perform. And it was a place that I, as soon as I performed, I was like, this place blows. I'm never coming back to this, you know. And the booker was a douche, okay? And I shouldn't even say that because a douche actually has a purpose. So I will not call him a douche anymore because I don't want douches to actually organize and sue me. So, <laughs> so, and I'm booked on the show and the audience is full of just horrible people. They were horrible to the opening act and I knew they were going to be horrible to me. And I go on stage and I'm doing my thing and it's going pretty good. But I, but some of them are being kind of horrible. You know, there's one thing when someone is heckling you and I don't really get heckled that often. It's a rarity. But you can tell when someone's just being really mean or bigoted for no particular reason. And I kind of dropped the hammer on the guy. But I didn't drop the hammer on the guy the way that you would expect. I didn't go right, I'm you dirty mother, jump up with your mother. That, that I didn't drop the hammer on him like that. I dropped the hammer on him in one of those really dry humor. It was almost, the only thing missing was me doing the, uh, you know, the basil faulty walk. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I just hit him with really dry humor where he didn't realize I had just cut his throat comedically for about five seconds, he would go, hey, you know, and the audience, and I'd go, and the audience, and he'd go, yeah, wait a second. It's like, it's like, it's like the guy didn't realize what I did, and I kept doing it to him. I was like, I could, it's like, it was funny because. I would say these things. The audience would start laughing and he's looking around like, what's going on? And they would wait a second. I did it to him maybe 10 or 12 times. And then I just, and then near the end, I said, listen, you know, and I, I basically said, listen, man, you know, I, I did, I, I, said, I had to deal with you 15 times. This, this is not the kind of show I wanted to do. I had a prepared show. Everybody was starting to get into it. They were, they were a little rough on the opening act person, which I didn't appreciate because this is just, I mean, he's just, he's a guy doing his job just like you doing your job at work. I mean, imagine if you're at your job at work and people were being difficult just because they wanted to be difficult. What about that happened to you? 
You know, you say you work at a, at a, at a, at a, at a tire place or something like that. And, you know, you ever have those, the customer that's just being an a-hole just because they want to be an a-hole. They're asking stupid questions and you know, they're stupid questions and you can tell the person is just trying to torture you because either they don't like you for some reason or they're just in a bad mood and they're taking it out on you. Well, imagine how that feels. You don't like it, do you? No. Well, what makes you think I like it? What makes you think the person that was, that did me the favor by opening up for me at this little theater, what makes you think they like it? You know, yes, we're performers. It's our job to make you happy and to make you have a good time. That's the truth. That's why I hear. I mean, that's what I was born to do. Ever since I was a little kid, I did that. But it doesn't mean you got to be rude to people. You know, just let people do their job. You want to do your job when you're at your job. And you want, you know, you want to have a customers that come in and treat you with love and respect, treat you like the professional that I'm sure you are. Well, the performers feel the same way. And the audience got a little bit uncomfortable because it got real all of a sudden. For the first hour and 15 minutes, it was all play, play, play. Then it got real. And they got a little bit uncomfortable. The same way the audience got a little bit uncomfortable when Chris Rock was talking to them <laughs> about race, race in Hollywood. And he acknowledged the racism that exists in Hollywood, but of course, making it very, very clear. He used vivid language to describe why in the past no one really protests because they had other problems uh, that they had to deal with. This is this is Chris Rock talking. And uh, you can go watch the clip on YouTube to see exactly how he said it, because I'm not going to say it the way he said it. And uh, then he talked about, you know, the fact that it's a little bit different. It's more of a light racism, the kind of sorority type racism that exists in Hollywood right now. That's basically the way he put it. And when he did that, the audience was <laughs> and I'm like, because <laughs> I love listening to that sound. Now back to my performance. So I do that to the guy. And I didn't do it. It was a little more concise than the way I did it here on the podcast. I stretched it out a little bit to make a point. It was, I mean, I, I don't know how long it did. That was a minute or whatever. But in the actual, excuse me, I have to unplug something. Um, sorry about that, guys. Uh, in the, in the middle of the performance. So, and I do that and, and then I forgot exactly what I did. I, I, I was smart enough to tag a punchline on the back end of it and they started laughing again. And then I did my regular closer and they were like, yay. And then I left. But for that, for like a minute and a half, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and it was really funny to see that on the Oscars. But the point I was basically trying to make is sometimes, look, like with these awards and these Oscars and all that kind of stuff, we have to remember, man, it's, it's a statue and it's an important statue. If you if you accept it as a wonderful thing, in addition to what what you should already be feeling, if you did a movie that was that good and you feel like this movie should deserve an Oscar, you should take that whole feet that that whole it deserves an Oscar. You should just take that part off of it. Just feel like I did a great movie. Millions of people are going to love this movie. Millions of people are going to watch this movie. Millions of people are going to buy this movie, download this movie, and some sleaze bags are going to take it illegally, you illegal bastards. And, and they're going to enjoy it. And this is something that I did that I know millions of, this is going to live after me. I created something that was part of creating something that was great. Now, if I get an Oscar too, that's cool too. But it's great. And if I don't get an Oscar... Okay, that's cool too. But I'm not going to allow whether or not I got that award, that Oscar, mess with my head and take away from the year and a half it took me to put that movie together. Oh no. I'm going to enjoy that crap. Hell no. So that's what I would say. And I wish I could go back in time to talk to pissed off teen, late teens me in the back of that car 
I wish I could go high. Excuse me. Uh, teen me. Yeah, what's going on, man? This is, uh, this is you, uh, this is, um, uh, middle aged, but still looking younger than middle aged. Middle aged, but still looking like he's 30 you. Yeah, you do look kind of young. Yeah, yeah. You're going to look good for a long period of time. I didn't say you look good. I said you look younger than your age. <laughs> I would punch you in the mouth, but then I would be basically me punching myself in the mouth. Then again, if I really think about it, if I punched you in the mouth right now, I mean, it's not going to hurt 20 something, 30 something years later if I just pop you in the mouth. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm, uh, younger than you when I, I'm, I'm, you know, remember how you used to, you know, take a couple of little, little, little classes with a little couple of little, 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 little boxing classes and all that kind of crap back. Yeah. Well, if you remember, this is the time when I was taking them. Yeah, you probably, you could probably kick my ass. I could definitely kick your ass. Yeah, well, instead of threatening to beat you down and get my ass whooped by my own self, which would be kind of embarrassing, but an interesting YouTube video. <laughs> what I'm going to do is give you some advice. All right, what's the advice, man? Um, Don't let this get to you, kid. Don't let it bother you. You did a great job on that stage tonight, man. And if you really think about it, young me, if... I said to you, you're going to go to Atlantic City and you're going to step on that stage in front of a packed house and they're going to love you and give you a standing ovation. And when you say my time is up, they're going to go, no, in a contest when the people going, no, or your competition, even though the judges didn't let you <laughs> let you go through to the contest. If I told you you can go there and perform in front of a crowd, that's a tough crowd and you're going to have a great show. And that's all you were going to get out of it. Would you have come to Atlantic City? Yeah, sure. Well, just think about that's what you did. Why are you going to let being whether you got into that contest bother you? I mean, I wanted to win, man. I made it to the finals last time. It doesn't matter, man. It's not about contest. What about you never went to this contest? Man? What about you were at some other club someplace? What about you were at a showcase night someplace where you were just performing for free? And you had the same kind of performance. What would you feel like in the car on the way home? Oh, I'll be great, man. Well, let it be great, man. You're right, older me. I mean, you you, you didn't have to say, you know, you didn't have to hit the word older so so hard. You could just say, you, you could have just said, you're right, me. I mean, I mean, I, you're, you're a teenager and I'm a grown man. I mean, I know I'm older than you. You didn't have to, you didn't have to, have to hit the word older so hard. You're a little self-conscious about your age. Yeah, but I look good. Yeah, you look all right. Oh, wow. Can't even let me have that, huh? No, not really. I'm a, remember, I'm a teenager. I haven't developed the tact that you have yet. <laughs> I know. Well, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to go back to 2000, uh, 2016 now because running alongside this car now is getting a little tiring. You know, I'm not as good a shape as, as, as you are. I mean... Well, I mean, running, I mean, it's amazing that I actually have the ability to run alongside a car going 65 miles an hour. I was wondering what the hell you were doing. Yeah, well, you know, you know, I'm a pretty impressive man. I'm going to be a pretty impressive man. Okay, I lied. This is just a fantasy sequence I'm doing for my podcast. The hell is that? You'll find out soon enough. But hey, you're going to dig it. Trust me. <laughs> I'm going to go back to 2016 now. All right, man. You gonna stop back? You gonna stop brooding in the car? Sure. All right. Take care. Bye, me. Bye, bye, me. <laughs> so I, did, I, I, I'm at the point now where I don't let those things bother me anymore. You know, I really don't. You know, yeah, because I'm I don't like people that whine and complain a lot. That drives me nuts. 
You know, you have people that just complain all the time. I mean, the people that complain, I mean, just just whine and complain. And I used to it used to be a saying that I used to have a long time ago, because a lot of times when we were doing comedy, and it happens in regular life uh, all the time, you'll be you'll run across somebody who whines all the time. And I used to call it drinking the wine. You know, when you sit there and the person is just, and another thing went wrong, man. And my wife, my husband, because that's what it starts to sound like. And I used to go, and, and it, was, it was like, you can see the person as you're walking. I would walk into the bar and one of my friends would be there and I could, I could see it and I was like, oh God. Oh, I wonder how much wine I'm going to get tonight. And then after they would whine like a punk for the, the whole time we're there, we're supposed to be there having a good time, laughing, joking, and having a good time. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that, guys. And we're supposed to be having a good time laughing and joking. And I would talk about, depending on how, how hard they whine or the depth of whining or the length of time that they whine, I would then give that a corresponding amount of wine, you know, you know, the other man was a couple bottles of wine a night. Good God, man. I mean, what did his wife, I mean, he was really whining about his wife. I mean, was, how bad was it, man? It was like a whole damn bottle of wine, man. Wine, wine, wine. He was whining his ass off. I mean, damn. And one guy, his wife caught him cheating, and she just took his punk ass to the cleaners. I couldn't even console his ass. His wife was awesome, and he decided he wanted to just go and take every, he was taking these young waitresses, people from the audience, you know, old girl. He was taking them all to Bank City, and I even said to him, now keep in mind, these guys are, at the time, I think I was maybe in my early 20s, and these guys were older than me, and I felt really, because my friends were always older than I was at the time, which is which is ironic because they're still older than I am. <laughs> See how that works? So, uh, but they come to me for advice. I don't know what the hell the deal is with that. Anyway, so I'm like, dude, you know, it's like you got a good wife there, man. You know, most dudes are looking for a good wife. She's cool. She's 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 pretty. She's nice. She's cool. She's this. She's that. You better, you know, you got to just chill on banging all these. Come on, man. You know, I just got to get what I got to get. <laughs> and then she finds out about all those trips to Bang City, and then her her lawyer took his bank account <laughs> to Double Bang City. <laughs> And I don't want to laugh at the guy. I mean, I felt bad. I felt it's not like I felt bad for what happened to him because it was his fault for, for, for going to Bang City with all of those ladies who eventually also found out about each other and took his ass with their feet. Their foot took his ass to Kick City. And so we run into him and it's been we had been it's been a while since we'd seen him. We run into the boy. Hey, there he is. And we're thinking we're going to just get in there and catch up on old times. Hey, this is great. And this happened and that coolness and this happened and all that. This happened and the coolness and that crap. And all of us. And another thing, man, I had a hot plate. I got that. I got good food. This is the joint custody. But that I got that habit. That guy, she's got a new guy, but she won't marry him because she still wants to be to give her alimony. Get that guy back. And he's living in the house with her, but he just won't that back about that and the kids again the fuck that time about that again and the word is out and I can't get a date to get the but that back is back again back to back because that's what it started to sound like and he just you know the phrase bending your ear man how far did he bend my ear I got up from the stool to go to the bathroom and I tripped on my own ear because he bent that crap to the floor yeah that's right 
And my friend, and I, the funny thing about it was he, he, he I, I tried to console him as best I could. And he, I made him feel a little bit better, made him laugh a little bit, said some good stuff and some encouraging stuff. He walks out the other side of the bar and I had been there listening to him whine like a punk for an hour, intense whining like a punk. And I'm about, I'm like, let me get out of here. I look to the left and I see my normal crew of friends off in the corner somewhere not even sitting at our regular table the bastards because they could have saved me from them in this crap and i walk around and they wait until i turn the corner and they wait until he walks out the bar and they start laughing hysterically at me why because they could have saved me from that crap (laughs) at any point in time because they weren't necessarily friends of his they knew who he was but he would have never have shared that with them and uh (laughs) So they could have saved me at any point, but these douchebags decided to let. <laughs> they kind of left me there, you know. It's like they just kind of left me there, like let them sit there and listen to that bull crap. So, so I walk over to the table and I and I stop and I put my hands on my hips and I look at them, and they're laughing hysterically. And I walk and I kind of and they push. And they even bought me a damn soda because I don't drink alcohol. And they push it to where I'm where my normal chair would be at the other table, but this is a table that's hidden to the back because they wanted to watch me get my ear bent off by wine, Mister Wine a lot. And I sit down and I grab my soda. I'm going, you jackasses could have saved me from this crap at any point. And they went, yeah, we could have. And I'm going. All right, you got me good with that one. Hell, hell, I we weren't gonna save you. <coughs> now, if you were trying to whip your ass or something, we'd have been right over there. But just, you know, it was, it was, it's actually we could have saved you. But you see, it's funnier to li- to watch you have to listen to that crap. And he goes, "Well, how much?" And I said, "He goes, was that a bottle of wine?" I go, "No, no, 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 no. That was a whole wine cellar, a whole wine cellar." And I realized that I, and I, and that's, that was the slang that I used for people that whined about stupid crap. And that's when I developed the theory of wine tasting. Right? Wine tasting. But there's a lot of people that go up in the Napa Valley and in the middle California and northern California. And I have some friends that are up there now, you know, and they're in the wine valleys and they go on these wine tasting tours and they go to this place and have a little sip of that. That's delicious. And a Dublin Bordeaux and this dough and that dough. And we let it breathe. I'm going to give it the Heimlich maneuver because it's not breathing enough. And let me put some Tic Tacs in it because its breath is bad and it's delicious. Okay, let's go to the next place. That's scrumptious. And let that breathe <laughs> and let it, let it do some calisthenics because I wanted to breathe harder. <laughs> this one is really, really not, doesn't have good aerobics, so let it, it's not breathing good enough <laughs> and all of that crap. Because <laughs> when you go to the wine tasting from what, from the people, and I, I probably will do that at some point uh, when I go back to Cali, because uh, I never did it when I was out there, but they did the wine tasting and and we had wine, they had wine tastings like when I, when I did comedy, when I was old enough, by the time, by then I was in my early twenties, 23, 24, 22. So I was old enough to drink. So, you know, when they did a little wine tasting, I'd have a little sip of this and a little sip of that. And they were explaining to me, well, this, to the double this and the triple that and this and the, and the wine valley. And you, this wine is so good. I can actually taste the feet. Mm. Oh, there's some good toe jam in this wine, man. It's really good wine when they have old person toe jam and it from stepping on the grapes. And then, oh God, there's a toenail in this one. This is authentic, you know, that kind of crap. Right. <laughs> right. So so my theory of wine tasting is you should get just enough of the wine to get the idea of what it tastes like. 
and then get the hell out of there. You don't go when you're doing wine tasting. You don't sit there and drink nine bottles of that crap. You take out a glass, they give you a little of that glass, you taste the crap, you give your opinion or whatever the hell happens, and then you get the hell out of there, and then you go to the next place and taste some more crap. That's what they were doing. Well, I got news for you. If you got a whole lot of friends that wine like punks like I do, you ain't got time to listen to a whole bottle of wine from each one of these bastards because they have depressed the crap out of you. It, listening to somebody wine is very similar to drinking wine. If you get a little bit of it, it's cool. It's okay to drive. You're not drunk. You just had a little sip. You wait a while. You make sure you're not buzzed. You know, I personally won't drink any alcohol when I'm driving. None. Zero. But you get the point. You take a little sip and swirl it around this is the greatest and this is the greatest and the greatest and this has some Dr. Scholes in it this is incredible and all of that crap right and it's the same thing when somebody whines when they're talking to you how much of that crap can you listen to you may not get drunk the way you get drunk off of actual wine but it does have an effect on you if you in if you drink too much of the person's wine this guy was talking about women so badly because of what happened to him even though he brought it on himself because he was a woman banging piece of crap and I go to the next friend, oh, my wife, <laughs> my girlfriend, man, and I realized I was like, I was awake for 14 hours and 10 of those hours. I listened to jackasses talk about how women screwed them over. And I'm going, even the ones that were legitimately had legitimate gripes after a while, it kind of soured me. You know, some girl comes up to me after the show. You're so cute. You're so funny. And I'm looking at her and in the back of my mind, I'm going, you ain't going to do anything but screw me over the same way my friends got screwed over. I ain't going to talk to her. That's what I'm saying in my mind. I ain't talking to her. Going to come up there handing me her phone number talking about I've got a hotel room. You're so cute and funny. Why don't you come up tonight and I'll sh and she's going to show me that she's as good a performer as, as I am on stage and she walks away talking about you know and I'm sitting there with this hotel room key pretty much having guaranteed that I'm going to I could take this gorgeous woman and get it on with her all night but in the back of my mind I'm thinking about my friends going look at this look at this woman going to watch me on stage and she thinks I'm cute and is so impressed with my stage performance that she wants to get it on with me and I'm looking at it all I'm going please woman I was I took that card and I was about to rip that card in half and I just crumpled I said I'm not going to do that because I, I crumpled that card up and I just threw it in the trash ain't no way in the world i'm gonna go up there to her, call her and then go upstairs you know because she's so hot and perfect body looking all good and delicious and she thinks i'm gonna nail her just because of that crap and i did not even think about going up to that room and getting it on with her because of what my friend said i was drunk from the wine of their bad stories and i turned that woman down i went back to my room alone without her and i did not do anything with her I got in the bed, I pulled the covers up, and I was about to go to sleep. And then 
and I got back out of the bed, got in the elevator, rushed back down the steps, stuck my hand in the trash, pulled that number back up, called the number. She said, well, it took you so long. I said, I forgot your number. She said, that's okay. I'm waiting for you. I go up the elevator. I go to her room and I bang the crap out of her for five hours. Because you see, laying in the bed going, I could be in bed with a delicious woman, kind of sobered me up from all the wine, wine, W-H-I-N-E, that I drank from their mouths and my ears. I sobered up (laughs) and I went upstairs and I did what I needed to do because after I sobered up, it was okay for me to uh, (laughs) drive. Ah, they, you know, it was, it was, that's a true story, by the way. So, uh, <clears throat> I know sometimes I embellish stories or I'll change some of the things in stories to protect the innocent. I mean, you can tell when, you can tell when I'm actually, when there's a, when I'm adding the comedic flourishes to the story, you can tell. And, but sometimes, you know, like I said, sometimes when I'll tell these stories and I'm telling true stories, I'll have to change a few things. Okay. I don't have to change anything. Everybody that I know is good. Look, just go ahead. I know what you do for a living. But I change certain things. Sometimes I'll move it from one coast to the other one. Sometimes I'll change the sex or I'll change certain things just to, you know, give the person even more anonymity than they would have had anyway because you don't know who they are just out of respect for them. But I changed nothing in this story. Yes, I had a bunch of friends whining like punks. Yes, a super hot woman after the show said I was cute and funny. Yes, she gave me her phone number. Yes, I did crumple it up. Yes, I went upstairs and I got in bed. Yes, I got right back out of the bed, ran. I, I got in the elevator, went downstairs real quick, dug my hand right back in that trash can, pulled that number back up, went back upstairs, found her, went to a room, and took her on a nice long trip to Bang City. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the truth, man. You know, I don't like, I don't like that whining kind of stuff. You know, because I almost became a whiner myself because I was staying this reminds me of something that cause I, I, I was living in LA and you have a, you know, how sometimes people like utility companies, when they cut something off, see back then they would just either, they would, they would give you a warning. You know, if you don't pay for this, if you don't pay for that, if you don't pay for this, pay for that, we'll cut you off. But I didn't really have a problem with that. Then when I moved to someplace else and money was a little bit funny, what happened was people stopped just cutting you off. They would kind of start to strip services for something. And this is when caller ID was a new thing or a new-ish type thing. And what they started doing is instead of cutting you off, what they started to do was start to strip services you know the caller id would go you know what i'm saying or or you know all of a sudden your water pressure was low you know what i'm saying or they you know like they, they turned down the electricity they didn't turn it out but they turned it down you're sitting there thinking there's something wrong with your light bulbs right and it was really weird how that worked because it was almost as if the utility companies were kind of like bullies in a way you know, it was like they wanted to teach you a lesson, you know, and <laughs> I was cause I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. And I said, remember that time when they <laughs> was staying there and this person was supposed to take care of a certain bill and I was supposed to take care of the other bills. They were just kind of 
hanging out for a while. I said, look, if you hanging out for a little minute, you're going to have to kick in a little bit, jackasses. And then I said, look, you take care of that, and then we're cool. I'm not going to, you know, I ain't trying to charge you no damn rent, but you got to take care of a little something if you're going to be here. You know, because I know you're going to, I mean, you say you're going to be here for two seconds, but I already know you well enough to know your punk ass is going to be here for a little longer. So the person gets a little tardy on stuff. And I didn't even notice that the caller ID wasn't working. You know, I said, pick up a pick up unknown phone number. What the hell? Man, there's a whole lot of unknown phone numbers calling all of a sudden. I was wondering when my friends are going to start calling. And then I started, hey, man, I called you at 630, man. I'm trying to let you know what my new number was. Oh, man. When was that? 630. Oh, man. And I realized that the, they started stripping services. <coughs> and they were like, what is it? What are they, the mafia or something? Listen, let me tell you something. I don't want to have to come to your house. And take your electricity from you. Mm. I don't want to have to come to your house and turn off your phone. I don't want to have to come to your house and turn off your water. What I'm saying to you right now is, I'm going to give you a bit of a warning. You understand? I'll give you a little bit of a warning. Right? But then, I'm going to have to send a person out to take care of business, punk. Hey, the water pressure's a little low. Did you pay the water bill? Yeah, I paid it. And you come back one day and all of a sudden you're sitting on the toilet, you flush the toilet, the toilet flushes, but it doesn't fill back up. And you look out your window and there's a dude from the water company with a big stick that he used to put the plug in the thing and he runs away laughing. <laughs> hey, you don't have the water, dude, dude, you don't have the water, soon you're going to stink. And he drives away in his punk ass car. And you're looking at the person that should have paid the bill and you're going, you dirty bastard. And the utility company sends you a letter. I told you I wasn't playing punk. Now, you want your water back on, jackass? You owe me this amount of money. But guess what? Oh, no, that's not enough. Oh, no. It's not bad enough that you probably stink. It's not bad enough that you can't wash yourself. It's not bad enough you can't wash your clothes. You can't wash them. It's not bad enough. Oh, no. I know not only do I want the water, the more money money for the water, not only are you going to pay the past bill, punk, you're going to pay a reconnection fee. Oh, yeah. How much is the reconnection fee? $125. I was only overdue by 70 bucks. That's not my problem, punk. If you can, oh, so you can pay that, well, then you better just pay it up right now. Because if you don't pay it up soon, all of a sudden, interest is going to accrue. Oh, yeah. And you got to go down to the water company sitting down in the long ass line, wiping the blood off the back of your hand from punching the guy in the face. And you stand there waiting in line and everybody's looking at you like, look at these freaking deadbeat bastards. What kind of a loser can't even pay water? It's, I mean, I'd respect you more if you missed out on your phone bill, but water, water's a necessity. You're not going to die in two days if you don't have a phone, but you'll die in a couple of days without water. And you're such a deadbeat piece of crap that you didn't even pay your water bill. You know what? Here's something kind of like water. That's right. I just spit on you. You make me sick, punk. 
and you go up to the counter and there's a lady behind the counter and she has an attitude with you, not because you're mean to her, but because you got your water turned off. And that just means, of course, that you're subhuman. What kind of a man are you? I thought you were cute. And then I remember that you're in the line for people who couldn't even pay their water bill. You make me sick. Do you have the re, do you have the reconnection fee of $125, you deadbeat loser? I mean, Mr. Johnson. Guy in front of me, getting called a deadbeat loser. And it's funny, kind of funny security guard, literally just walk. You know how you go into a place and they have those lines where you have to go left and right and left and right and left and right and left and right. And the whole time they actually hired a guy that had on a jacket that said, I spit on deadbeats and I'm an employee here. And he just follows people around that owe the most money. And as they're in line, he just randomly spits on them because they're subhuman. They couldn't pay for water. What kind of piece of crap can't pay for water you make them sick the guy walks up to me and he's about to spit on me and i hold up a check for the full amount and he goes okay i and the guy goes and he points to me and i go into a different line the line for people who are actually going to pay the water bill and pay it in full and it was really weird i got to sit down in a comfy chair that's right. It was like being in first class on an airplane. At least what people who've been in first class tell me it's like because my punk ass has never been on first class in an airplane. But it really is like that. They separate you out at the utility companies. If you're someone who's paying in full. Oh, yeah. If you're someone who's going to make a payment plan, Mr. Spitty comes over. What about you, sir? Are you going to pay in full? Oh, no, I'm going to make a pay plan. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> and they start following you around, spitting on you. So I'm sitting in the line. I'm sitting in the lounge where people are going to pay the bill in full. And I'm sitting in a chair and I press a button on the armrest and I get that stone massage in the back. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, a lady walks up to me and starts asking me if I want peanuts and grapes and stuff. And I said, yes, I do. And they start calling me Mr. Thomas. And the spitty guy goes and gives me the thumbs up. And the security guard stops aiming his gun at me and starts aiming his gun at the people in line who got to make a payment plan because they can't even pay for water. Those scumbags, and of course, that's what they're thinking. Then I go in and I pay my guy, pay the thing and fool on the lady behind the counters all night. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How much are you going to pay in full? Oh, fantastic. All right. And I pay her in full. She looks at the check full of full amount. She puts it through the machine and takes the check and it spins around in there. And then she gives me the receipt. Then she gives me some mints. And then she gives me a kiss on the cheek. And then she rings the bell. Paid in full. Not a loser anymore. Paid in full. Not a loser anymore. And I walk out of the place and there's confetti dropped on me. He paid in full. He paid in full, not like those bastards over there. And then now the, the people that did not pay in full, the guy goes up there and he realizes he can't make the payment plan. He has to go into the back room to, for people who can't handle the payment plans. And then the guy that spits on people just stopped at the line between where they have to make a payment plan and where they have to work even harder to make a payment plan. He pushes a button on the wall and a whole bucket of spit drops down on the guy. And he said, that's what you deserve, you bastard. And I walked out, took the confetti out of my hair and I realized I better not mess with these utility people anymore oh no okay I exaggerated that a little bit <laughs> 
but there really is. It really is a difference in the way that you get treated there. But I always, I always never really liked the way they kind of bully you when it comes to, you know, the utility stuff. I don't like that stuff, man. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. They always, they, they do. The, I remember, I remember uh, there was a guy that came to the house one time, and I had actually paid the bill. I mailed the check, mailed it, because I used to sit down and mail. And this is this is back, but this is at a time when it's like I was just, you know. I was, it was, it was past the time when I was, you know, messing up on the bills because of the bread. You know, I just, I mean, you sit at the table, you put your little check, you know, you write your little checks out back when you, when you wrote checks, you know, and then you put your little thing in there. And it's like the second you got it, I would sit down with all the bills and write out this check and that check. And I literally did put it in the mail. I mailed it. Lit- I mean, legitimately mailed it. And for whatever reason, it was delayed by, uh, I don't know, a few days or something. And it wasn't even my fault. It was the post office's fault. And they apologized for it. But the guy comes out there and he's got the whole, look at you. I'm just coming in to change your, you're coming in and we're going to turn off your electricity. And we're going to turn off. I said, well, I paid the bill. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you. God is looking in his face like, shut up, punk. You know, I've heard this lie so many times. And I said, you look familiar. He says, yeah, I do look familiar to you. Let me guess. Did you have a problem with water bill once? Well, yeah, like six years ago. Yeah, my, my, my brother is the guy that spits on people at the water company. Maybe you recognize him. Well, he didn't spit on me. <laughs> I bet he did spit on you. Because you can't pay for water. You damn sure can't pay for electricity. I said, but I paid my bill. It was not my fault. It was somebody else. Oh, somebody else's fault. Huh? Yeah, like I haven't heard that before, you piece of crap bastard. And then he starts to turn off my electricity. And I said, you stay right there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, I said, maybe it didn't get to, maybe it didn't get into the system. Oh, maybe it didn't get into the system. You know, sure it didn't. Oh, I'm sure it didn't get into the system yet. I said, is there any way you could, you could call your office and just check and see, you know, call your office and check and see whether or not, you know, the, 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 the payment, because I know for a fact, uh, having worked in, in, in some kind, some similar, something similar in another, you know, I worked in a, for sales and I know that sometimes in sales, the sale will go through technically because you talk to the customer, but it doesn't hit the system. There's a delay in the system where actually, where it's actually paid, but the system hasn't picked it up yet. Maybe it's the same case here. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure you probably paid six months in advance and this is, this is just a mistake in the system. I'm sure that's what it is. I said, could you at least make the phone call? You know, I mean, you're doing this is a serious thing because if you turn off the electricity now I'm going to have to pay some kind of reconnection fee when it's not really fair you know it may get resolved but I don't want to have to go through the problems of having to you know reconnect and pay some kind of reconnection fee and have you guys have to come out and you guys won't be you won't come out at the time you said you come out you know not nothing against you I know you have have other stuff to do but it's like you know we'll be there between three o'clock and whenever the fuck we want to you know that kind of thing he's like okay I'll I'll go to the car and make the call. I don't even know. He's walking out, mumbling to himself. I don't even know what I'm doing. It's got to waste my damn time. But it's like, you know, I don't want no problems, you know. I'm just going to walk out to the car and just call this, this is a complete bull. He's a, you know, and I see him sitting in his truck. 
And he's like, here's a look on his face. Like, let me get through this corny ass call that is actually going to do nothing. But I figured, what the hell? This is my last call of the day anyway. So I might as well just make this phone call to this punk. Can't blame me for nothing. He can't say nothing because when I call in and I find out that this punk ass did not pay, I'm just going to go in and turn off his electricity. And because I'm the one that actually sets up the people that come back out to turn the electricity back on, I'm going to make sure he's the last call of the day for making me walk back out of this house and make this phone call. Yeah, I'm calling from blah, 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 street on blah, 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 road. I blah, 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 blah. Could you check blah, blah, blah for me? Yeah. And I'm looking out the window and he's looking at me like, I don't even know why this guy's looking out the window. There's no way in the world. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this bastard wait an extra day for wasting my time like this. Huh? He did pay in full on time. And I see the look on his face and it's like, it was the one, the most wonderful look. It, the, the best look in the world is your woman looking at you and you know she loves you and she thinks you're the best thing in the world. Or if a child looks at you like they love you to death. Now, I don't have any children, but I have little cousins and nieces and nephews. And they love Uncle S and Cousin S. And when they were babies and I would show up to visit them, their faces would light up and they'd run up to me and they'd give me a big hug. And I'd kiss the babies and hug the babies and spin the babies around. And they would be, hey, Cousin S, Uncle S. It was, it was the greatest thing in the world to see that. And that's the second best look in the world. The first, best, first look, of course, being your woman. Or if, or obviously your guy, if you're a lady or whatever, whatever the configuration is. And of course, kids being right after that. But the other look is somebody who was a condescending piece of crisp, a condescending D bag who was just looking at you like you were the biggest piece of crap in the world. And you told him the truth and he didn't believe it. And he went through the motions because he wanted to have the joy of going through the motions and coming back in and humiliating you more and being nastier to you, to you and being meaner to you and setting it up so he could do some more nasty stuff to you. Like let the person come back a day late because he could do that crap. And he had a look on his face like, oh crap. And he looked back at me and I looked back at him and he looked at me and I looked at him looking at me and he looked at me looking at him and it was great right so he slumped his punk ass out of the car and he had the same look on his face as if you're sitting in your couch at two o'clock in the morning and a teenager thinks they're sneaking back into the house and they're trying to creep back up the steps and you turn the light back on and you're sitting there with your spouse and you're both looking at the bastard and you put your hands out and the kid knows damn well the reason you got your hands out. Your hands out is because you, they, you, you're going to take the car keys from the bastard and he knows it's going to be at least two weeks before he or she sees those car keys again and you told him I told him you told him you told him you told her don't do it again or you're going to have those car keys and even though you're using this as a teachable moment even though this moment is about teaching the kid a lesson making a kid more responsible letting him know or letting her know that there are consequences to their actions there's a little party that's like ha 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 punk that's what you get for thinking you're smarter than us we're the parents we're older than you we've already been your age you've never been our age and then not only to compound things after we take the car f- from you and you go upstairs and you soak in your room you're going to hear the bed shaking because we're going to bang the crap out of each other while we laugh at your punk ass and you better not even think about knocking on the door because if you knock on the door and interrupt me and your mom banging I'm going to add another month to your punishment punk that's the feeling and his punk ass comes back up the steps and he's sheepishly uh, well Mr. Thomas as it turns out 
<laughs> you know, your payment was was actually posted two days ago. There was a glitch in the system <laughs> and uh, you're actually paid in full and it was really no breach of anything. You know, you, you know, I mean, we, we, we thank you for being a wonderful customer of blah, blah, blah company. <laughs> now I'm going to go get my equipment right now. And uh, do you have any barbecue sauce I could put in the foot right now that I have in my mouth right now? Because my foot's in my own mouth. Is there any barbecue sauce you could put on this foot? And I said, no, I don't have any barbecue sauce in the foot you put in your mouth. But I have this Tabasco sauce and you're going to eat it, punk. And he grabbed his equipment and he sulked out of the room. And as he as he walked out of the room, I turned on lights I didn't even need to have on. I actually turned on the light on the porch and it was the daytime. Why? Because I could afford to turn the light on. And of course, as soon as he moved down the block, I turned all that shit back off and unplugged the refrigerator for about four minutes to make up for the extra electricity that I used to make my point. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> But that was just that was just funny. Like like I said, I, I'm not I'm not a whiny person, and uh, I was and, I, and what I was thinking about was when I talked about the the electricity company, the electric company was, you know, I was I was going to whine like a punk, but I thought, you know, why whine like a punk? Let's just just do what you need to do, man. And that's what I decided. I said, you know, no, no, no. I know I paid this thing, and there's a good chance that the payment hit. I mean, what did I have to lose? I could have leave. I mean, if the payment didn't hit. And he turned off my electricity. It was nothing was going to be different. I'd still have to pay a reconnection fee, and his punk ass would have to come back out or send somebody else back out, you know. So it really didn't matter. I mean, you know, I might as well have given it a shot, and I was right. So it would have been a situation where I was whining like a punk for no reason. So that's my message, my friend. That's my message, my friend. The first thing I talked about, of course, was the Oscars. Like I said, don't let some crap outside of yourself make define whether or not you did something good f that crap two if somebody's whining like a punk let them whine for a little while just have a wine tasting don't drink the whole bottle of them whining like a punk get the hell out of there after a while because it ain't going to do anything but mess with your head and three utility companies sometimes are pieces of crap (laughs) that's the point i wanted to make well, folks, that has been this episode of the S. Anthony Says Podcast. This is episode number 204. And I want to thank you guys very, very much, man. I want to thank my my bastards, my sass potters. I want to thank you guys very, very much for spending this time with me, man. I really, really do appreciate it. You know, um, it's really cool. It's really cool. I have a lot of good, super-duper cool listeners in, in a lot of different places. I see you, Australia. Thank you. I see you, Canada. Thank you. I see you, UK. Thank you. And of course, the United States of America. Thank you very much because that's my home. And I noticed some other countries that I didn't mention. Don't think that I don't love you bastards as well. You are also my bastards. You are also my sass potters. Love you too. And of course, special shout out to my hashtag potter family. Much love to you guys and gals as well. I will see you next week. Do me a favor. Um, follow me on Twitter. The Twitter for me specifically. Yours truly. Yes, Anthony Thomas is. Ironically. <laughs> not ironically. It just is. At S. Anthony Thomas. That is me. The show podcast, which is also run by me. Yeah, both Twitters are run by me. And me alone is at S. Anthony Says. So follow them both. At S. Anthony Thomas and at S. Anthony Says. 
For those of you that don't know, for those of you that want to write to the kid and the kid being me, the podcast, you want to write to me, you want to ask questions, you want to say hello, please feel free to do so. I love it. I eat up that love like like wonderful food. Like love, love, love. I had some good love there. Let me dip this love in the milk. I eat the love like chocolate chip cookies that don't have calories. The podcast email, which is of course my email, is the S Anthony says podcast at gmail.com and if you are looking for the podcast anyplace else basically the podcast this podcast that you're looking for is on Stitcher Radio is on iTunes it's on TuneIn and of course the home base is uh, Podbean so if you can't find it just Google as Anthony says you can't miss me I'm everywhere like oxygen much love to everybody you want to find good podcasts you find the king of podcasts right here, baby. Yes, Anthony says podcast. But if you want more good podcasts, go on Twitter and follow the hashtag Pottern family. Pottern, like modern, but you take the M out and you put a P in because they're two different words and they're spelled differently. <laughs> Pottern family, get it done, you bastards. Much love to you. If you love the show, and uh, if you listen by the, if you listen to me right now, you listen to me talk about crap for an hour, so you love this crap, damn it! Please go to iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, wherever you're listening to this, and please drop a wonderful rating, a five star rating, confessing and professing your love for the Yes Anthony Says podcast. It would be much much appreciated. Until next week, my friends. Much love to every last one of my bastards. Every last one of my. Sass Potters. Every last one of you. Much love to all of you. Thanks for the love you're giving to me. Much love to you as well. I will see you next week. And as I end this show the way I always end this show, for those of you that know how I end this show, it doesn't matter if you listen to me on your car. It doesn't matter if you listen to me on your treadmill. It doesn't matter if you listen to me walking down the street in your, your, your earbuds. It doesn't matter if you're on a lawnmower. You know how I end this show. And I'm going to do it on the count of three. Please do it with me. You know you want to do it with me. Come on. You ready? One, two, three. S. Anthony. Out. Go.